Tandem Nomads, episode 33. Something new. It's almost like you have to recreate your life when you're an expat. You leave the life you had, you leave your job, you leave your language, and you really need to find what works for you. You need to kind of think of it as it's a time in your life when you can do something you might not have otherwise had the opportunity to do because you have this time and you have this chance to start fresh. So it's a, it's a really good opportunity to just think, well, what makes me happy? Welcome to Tandem Nomads, where inspiring expat partners from around the world share with you how they turn the challenges of relocation into great opportunities. So are you following your partner abroad for his or her career? Then Tandem Nomads is the place for you. Go to tandemnomads.com and sign up for the newsletter. Hello, Nomad Nation. This is Amel Draghi, and today I'm very excited to introduce you to Lisa Webb. Lisa, are you ready for the ride? I'm ready. Lisa grew up in Canada. After university, she became a teacher for eight years and then the assistant principal of an elementary school. Her husband, who is also Canadian, was one day offered a job in Paris. So they packed up their lives in Canada and moved to France. After a year in Paris, they were moved to the south of France, where they lived for four years and had two French-born children. During that time, Lisa began writing and created the blog Canadian Expat Mom, where she shares her experiences on expat life and travel. This past year, she and her family moved again, but from France to Indonesia. So now she lives in Indonesia. While Lisa and her family have been adjusting to this new culture, she also published the first book in her first children's book series, The Kids Who Travel the World, that quickly landed on Amazon's bestsellers in the category of children's books. She is now working on publishing another book called Once Upon an Expat, a series of stories from expats around the world. Lisa, this was a very over, short overview of who you are. Is there anything that I missed? And tell us what's happening in your world today. Um, I think you have it all. Yeah, I came from Canada. My husband did as well. We lived in France. Now we lived in Indonesia. Um, France is the only home that our kids know, so that kind of became home for us too. But we're adjusting to life here in Indonesia, and I'm writing while my kids are at school or while they're napping, and we're trying to um, just absorb as much of the new culture here as we can. So how long ago have you moved to Indonesia? Only in September we oh, arrived. That's quite fresh. So you... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and how old are your kids? Two and four. Oh, okay. So they're quite young. Yes. Yeah. How was it for them to make this transition? Do they understand what's happening? Um, the older, my older daughter understands a little bit more that we're in a new house in a new country. And I'm not sure that it phased my youngest daughter very much. But the transition was made a little bit easier because my kids grew up in France and they were in a local French school when we were living in France. They're now in a French international school. Oh. So that has remained the same. Their teachers still speak French. All of their friends still speak French. So th that's made the transition a little bit easier. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I can understand that. So tell us when you first moved, what 
what went through your head? What did you think of when your husband came home and tell you we're going to Paris or should we go to Paris? I don't know how he brought it to you. <laughs> um, there were tears. I didn't want to go. I really didn't want to go. Um, I mean, Paris, Paris is beautiful. I'd been to Paris. I knew that it was lovely. I would have loved to go on Paris um, to Paris for a vacation, but I wasn't sure that I wanted to quit my job that I'd worked really hard to get and leave everything. I didn't want to leave my family and my friends and I didn't speak French. So it all seemed a little bit overwhelming and none of it seemed like a positive move for me. It was great for him and for his career. And I knew that overall it would be better for us in the long run. But at the time it wasn't like I had kids that I would benefit because I could stay home with my kids. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any kids then. So staying home just meant what was I going to do? I can't speak French. I, I was very overwhelmed when we were first approached to this idea. Oh, so you were overwhelmed even before you arrived to France? Yes, very much so. I, I, I wasn't completely on board with the decision. I, if I really didn't want to go, we would have stayed home, but I knew that it would have been better for us had we gone. So I kind of took a deep breath and I just went along and hoped for the best. And it turned out really well in the end. Wow. Six, so, seven years later. Seven years later. So take us yeah. back in time and, and, and tell us what, how did, you were very reluctant to be in, in France because basically if I understand well, it was difficult for you to just give up your life and the job you worked hard for to, to, you actually did very well apparently in Canada because from teacher you moved, sorry. Assistant principal. Uh, yeah, and, which is, which is quite an important position. Um, so how how did you experience it once you arrived there? Um, yes, like you said, I felt um, almost a sense of loss for my job because I really liked my career and uh, I had just finished my master's degree. So I thought I I did all this work and now I'm just going to quit my job. So it was it was hard to quit and I got there and I didn't speak French. And so that was my first thing to tackle. I needed to learn French and I tried very, um, I spent a lot of time trying to learn French when we were in Paris. I took classes. I went to French language exchanges. I tried to talk to the people at the Boulangerie. But in Paris, it's also very easy to speak English. Yeah. So hmm. um, when we got to Paris, I ended up um, taking a six-month course to become a certified yoga teacher Oh. And that really helped me along because I was able to make some really good friends. Um, so that made me feel more at home in Paris. But at the same time, that was in English. So that didn't help my French along very well. That sort of happened when we moved to the south of France. Oh, interesting. And because I think it's, it, I don't know if this is what you experienced, but I know in my case, there's a bit of an isolation that happens when you start this whole journey as an expat partner, you give up your job and have to go through the first month in a new country where your husband or your partner goes to work and you're there at home and have to start your life from scratch. I don't know if you can take us back to the first day, what happened when your husband went to work the first day. Well, when my husband, the beginning of our time in Paris was amazing. We, we were like tourists for a couple of weeks while we got settled in. And I was fine with that because I would go exploring when he went to work. For me, when it really uh, 
hit home was, I think we were about a week and a half in or maybe two weeks in and he had to go away for work and he doesn't go away often. But at that time he had to leave for a week and our apartment was empty. We didn't have anything in it. I didn't know anyone in Paris, the touristy visit the Eiffel tower. That was all kind of over and done with. So now I was just left in this empty apartment and there was a eight hour time change from where I lived. So I couldn't even really talk to anyone on Skype because everyone was asleep while I was awake and he, my husband was gone and I just realized then how much I was depending on his French because my husband is French Canadian. So his first language is French. So I was letting him take the lead when we would go to the restaurant, when we would need to buy things. And then I was left to do it all by myself. And I had to go, I didn't have to, I could have stayed home, but I decided to go out for dinner. And I remember sitting at the restaurant by myself and it was the first time I'd ever gone out for dinner by myself. And so that was a big thing alone. And then put on top of that, that the man handed me the menu and it was all in French. And I was just overwhelmed by everything. And I just started crying at the table. (laughs) And now I laugh when I think about it. But at the time I, I was like, everything was just, falling apart but from that point I thought okay I need to learn this language if I'm going to live in this country which I'm glad I did because five years later when we left I felt quite confident in my French so then you moved to the south of France how different was it Um, it was very different actually because all of those English-speaking aspects were gone there was a small expat community that was there but as far as going to the doctor and all of my neighbors. We lived in a small village, just on the edge of a bigger city. But we were definitely the family that was from away. They hadn't had foreigners that lived there before. So none of the people who lived in my neighborhood could speak a word of English. And if I was trying to communicate with the post office or the mailman or anyone in my local community, it was all done in French. Um, My two kids were born there. So I had two pregnancies from the first checkup to delivering the babies. It was all done in French. So that was a huge, a huge stepping stone, I guess, for me. And that just became our new life. That became our new normal. Where was it in France? In Pau. Oh, in the Pau. Southwest. Okay, yeah, I can imagine now. <laughs> Not very international. <laughs> no, it's, it's very... Uh, very French. <laughs> yeah. So you already managed a bit of French once you got there. It was it was starting once I got there. I still continued to take classes, but actually when we arrived in Po, I was seven and a half or eight months pregnant. Mm. So my daughter was born shortly after we arrived, and I didn't go to French classes after that because I was home with her. And once she turned one, I got pregnant with my second daughter. So. I had a lot of time just in the house, but it turns out that just being immersed in the language worked out a lot better for me than going to classes and reading out of a textbook. And then when my daughters got old enough to start speaking, my husband speaks French with the girls and I speak English with them. But just hearing French in the house all day has helped me a lot. That's great. Yeah. I, I like what you said, you know, that once you didn't have the choice, you just learned it. So yeah. I think that's a that's a huge you know aspect of learning a language. Sometimes 
if if we have too much of our own language around us, it doesn't help. So I guess sometimes if you really want to learn a language, it might be good to take ourselves out of our comfort zone sometimes. Well, I was definitely out of my comfort zone. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> yes. So tell us, you have a blog today that's quite successful, Canadian Expat Mom. How did, this, how did you start this adventure with your blog? Um, actually, I was in Po, and we were on a girls' night out. And after a few glasses of wine, there was a new girl who was there from Florida. And I specifically remember telling her about different stories about how crazy it was to live in this small little town in the south of France and how I had my babies there. And I was, we were just laughing about all these stories. And someone said, you need to write a book. And I said, oh, no, that's too much work. <laughs> and someone else said, well, you should start a blog. And I said, I don't think anybody reads blogs anymore. I don't want to start a blog. And then that kind of just started going around in my head. And the next morning, I said to my husband, I think I'm going to start a blog. What? <laughs> yeah, and my husband's quite private, so he was a little bit apprehensive of that mm -hmm. at first. But I started a blog, and it started out me talking about what it's like to be a mom in a foreign country and different things that were so different in France than they were from my life in Canada. And then because my family travels as much as we do, probably maybe a little bit too much, mm -hmm. uh, I started just writing about traveling with kids and writing about the different places we were going. And it was half a journal for me or just a creative outlet and half a blog, but it's kind of, it's worked out really well. I'm really happy with where it's gone. Yeah. So tell us, where is it today? Your blog? Uh, well, you can find it at canadianexpatmom.com. Mm -hmm. And I also have the Canadian Expat Mom Facebook page mm -hmm. where anything new that I write shows up there. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram as well. Yeah, that's great. If, you, if you're in a networking party and somebody asks you, what do you do? You know, this famous question that we get, how would you <laughs> respond in 10 seconds? In 10 seconds, I would say I'm a mom who spends her free time writing on the website Canadian Expat Mom. I would say that I write about what it's like to be an expat, about family travel. And other than my blog, I have a children's book series called The Kids Who Travel the World. And I'm publishing a book called Once Upon an Expat. That's great. You've been is that 10 seconds? <laughs> it's, it's really great. Well, it makes, you know, the most important is to be able to get people to understand right away who we are, what you do and what we do. And it's not always that easy I find especially when we're expert partners um, and I find it always interesting to listen to how expert partners express what they're doing um, because I know that a lot of them struggle to answer this question <laughs> so yeah and you know what for the first probably three years I probably would have struggled with that question as well I was really busy being a new mom well first I was trying to find my way in a new country I wasn't a mom yet and then being a new mom took up a few years of my life because my kids were so close together. So if someone asked me, I probably wouldn't even have mentioned my blog. Mm. But now that my kids are a little bit older and I've kind of used that as a branch to start my kids' book series and the, the books are about traveling and every book the kids go to a new country and it's all countries that my kids have been to and the books are actually based on my two daughters. So that's kind of part of who I am now. I've, it's like a passion project that has turned into actual work. Mm 
Mm. But it, it's taken me a while to get to a place where I would say that that's my job or that's what I do during the day. Thank you for saying that. That's very important what you're saying here, that it, it, it didn't come right away. And sometimes it takes time to be able to know who we are in this journey. And this is the whole point of Tandem Nomads is to help expat partners build their identity. So could you take, take us what, through that time when you didn't know yet who, how to present yourself? How, would you de how were you dealing with this if you met with well, new people? I think what I had to do was find something that I was really passionate about. To, to be able to find my way, I needed to find out what I loved. Well, obviously, I loved my kids. I loved writing. And our family is very passionate about traveling. It's something that my husband and I did before we even knew each other. So then it was normal for us to continue on doing that with our children. And so the more I would write, the more I would write about being a mom. I would write about traveling with my kids. And it it kind of came together on its own for me. I realize it's not going to work out that way for everyone. Mm. But I think that as someone who's trying to find um, something new, it's almost like you have to recreate your life when you're an expat. You leave the life you had, you leave your job, you leave your language, and you really need to find what works for you. Mm. So maybe for me that was writing, so I just passionately focused on that. And maybe for someone else, It's cooking, which is what I did when we started moving to France. Mm -hmm. I loved French food, and I just loved going to the markets and the boulangeries, and that's what I would do with my time during the day. And some people, maybe they love going to the gym, and they use that time to turn inwards and just get really fit. And you need to kind of think of it as it's a time in your life where you can do something you might not have otherwise had the opportunity to do. Because you have this time and you have this chance to start fresh. So it's a, it's a really good opportunity to just think, well, what makes me happy? Yeah. It's and work from there. Such a great point that you're making here, Lisa. Because I definitely agree with you that it's a great, it's, it's honestly not that easy. You know, this whole identity <laughs> search at the beginning and you mentioned it yourself. And, but the fact that you said it's a great opportunity to actually do something that might, we might have never had the chance to do if we continue our life back home but also how you also did it by trying to reinvent yourself by focusing at the beginning on what you liked for example cooking and writing and telling stories and and this is how you end up building who you are today that's yeah really I feel very happy blessed that um it worked out that way for me mm -hmm. Um, but like I said, it didn't come easy. It, it took some time. It took a few years. I didn't know if it was going to go. I never would have imagined that I would have been writing books. I just started out wanting to tell some funny stories to anyone back home. Like maybe my mom was the only person who was reading them. Um, but I think maybe now a few more people than my mom read them. So I'm happy about that. I'm sure about that. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, You know, what was for you the most challenging part when you started this life? What was, yeah, take us back in time. You like to stay, say amazing stories. So can you tell us a story and put us a time besides the, you know, the, the story you told in the restaurant where you felt, okay, now it's really hard. What was the hardest part for you? Um, the language was definitely the hardest part because... There were times where I felt, like I said, I, I went to school for a long time. I had three university degrees. I was very confident in myself in Canada. 
And now I'm the same person, but I'm put in a country where I can't express myself. And I often felt that people just maybe thought I wasn't very smart or um, that you just, it's a big challenge on your self-esteem and you really have to, uh, you just have to take a step back and let your pride go to one side and just carry on. And when you're learning another language as an adult, it's a really tough thing to do if you've never done it before. I know my husband, his first language is French. And he's perfectly bilingual. But when we go to a country like Italy or Spain, because it's a Latin language, it's really easy for him. And because he already has a, more than one language that he speaks. Mm-hmm. But as an Anglophone who has never spoken another language, I mean, I took a little bit of French in school, elementary school. Mm-hmm. But trying to learn French was definitely very difficult for me. And um, <laughs> there is a couple times I remember that I would just, when we were living in the south of France, I would try my best. And there was one time I was at the grocery store and I was trying to talk to the woman who was checking me through. And she at one point made a very strange face at me. And then she kind of stopped the conversation and she didn't engage any further. And I thought, oh, that's weird. And then it wasn't until I got home when I heard my husband speaking to my daughter and she said something about her arm. And I thought, oh my goodness, I told the lady at the grocery store that I only had one arm. She must have thought I was crazy. (laughs) But I didn't realize it at the time. And there was another time where um, the lady, when my second daughter was born, my first daughter went to, there was like a little day home down the street from us. We call it a new-new or a nanny. So when my daughter was newborn, my oldest daughter went to her house down the street because there was other kids there for her to play with. So there was one day where she was sick. So I wanted to send a text to her Nunu to tell her that she wasn't going to be there because she was sick. So I sent that and it was fine. And then she texted me back the next day to ask how my daughter was. And I wanted to type text back elle est mieux which means she's better mm-hmm. but i text back elle est mort, oh which my means god she's dead <laughs> so right away my phone rang what <laughs> and um so there's there's times like that where i'm like i don't even know what i said uh, but you're trying so the language was definitely definitely the biggest hurdle to jump for me yeah. you know we're <laughs> laughing about it and we're we're you know it's nice stories today to tell and this is why i guess you created your your blog canadian expat mom and your books but i guess that from for having an experience myself once you're in it it's, it it does hurt i mean I, i don't know if it was the case for you but all your stories makes me think of my own and i'm like There is a point where we feel completely lost if we can't communicate, you know, and, and people yeah. don't understand us. So it's very difficult. You have to definitely put your pride aside. And I think you need to try your best to make light of the situation. Because if you get down on yourself every time you make a mistake, you're going to not be in a very good place by the end because it's, it's uh, an uphill climb for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And how was it in your relationship? Because there's, there was clearly an unbalance between somebody who was doing well, speaking the language, having a job, having a life, and you're trying to make it, you know, it, did it create any imbalances in the relationship? I mean, it might be maybe a bit uh, too personal, but <laughs> no, that's okay. um, it's, it's interesting to know how did you manage that? 
Okay. Well, when we first moved to France, my husband knew he recognized the big sacrifice that I was making and he really appreciated that. And he was really good about supporting me and helping me and trying. (laughs) He would really try and he would want to help me learn French, but for some reason I didn't want to learn it from him because he was the only person at the end of the day when I came home from pounding the pavement in Paris he was the only person I could speak English with comfortably that I knew. So I would just, I just wanted to speak English with him. I didn't want to practice French anymore. Mm. And so I think it was maybe a little bit frustrating for him to not be able to help me with something that he could have helped me with, but that was something that I needed to get through on my own. And um, so he really supported me until, (laughs) until we moved to France to Poe and maybe three years went by and then he knew that my French was much better than it was. And I wasn't maybe as confident as I should have been. So I didn't like to use my French unless I really, really had to. If we were together or if we were out for dinner, I would always like try and get him to order for me. But then he came to a point after maybe three or four years where he'd say, no, 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 you can order. Like, cause he knew at that point there was a little bit of tough love in order for me to get past the hump of actually using my French and but yes there was a lot of support when we first got there and when because we moved three times now we moved from Paris to Po and from Po to here in Indonesia and now that I'm not as uncomfortable with being in new situations like this mm-hmm. I think it's really important for us to support each other because he's also going into a new situation at work and now I'm more confident in not working in the same kind of situation as I was at home. I don't feel like I've lost my identity anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I was okay with moving here to Indonesia. So now we kind of need to be there for each other because when you first move to a new country, you might not have any friends to kind of share your day with or you just have each other. So whether it's a good day or a bad day, you kind of need to be there to debrief at the end of the day or to just to share how things are going. Mm -hmm. And we kind of take turns watching the kids so that the other person can maybe go out. If there's an opportunity to meet people or have a social event, when we first arrive somewhere, we try and do that for each other so that we can, you know, start meeting new people and create a little bit of a life. Oh, those are really great, great tips that you gave here and trying to support each other. This, this is really important in expatriation, I guess, is that at the end of the day, at the beginning of this transition, there's only us, you know, the, the, the couple and the kids when they're kids. And it's very important to help each other, like you said, and, and support each, each other. It seems to be that for you, it's all about communicating. You mentioned the word debriefing about your day and making sure that each of you can go and network and meet new people. You mentioned that it seems to be much easier for you to, to now move to Indonesia and compared to when you moved first to Paris. Is it the experience of being an expat? Is it the fact that it's, you're not insecure with the language anymore because I guess it's easier to speak English in Indonesia? Is there any explanation you have for the fact that today you're feeling much more comfortable? Um. Well, funny enough, I don't really get to speak that much English in Indonesia because my husband works for a French company, so we're living in a French community, so I'm actually still speaking French all the time. Okay. 
Um, but the aspect of moving, I think very much makes it easier because when I left Canada the first time or when I, our first move, I was leaving my career. I was leaving my family. I was leaving my friends. I was in a new culture. I was in a new language. I had to recreate who I was. It was so much new all at once. And then when we moved to the south of France, well, that was easier because I was used to living in France. I was used to the language. I was a little bit, a year had gone by. So the fact that I wasn't working wasn't as big of a deal. And now when we moved from the south of France to Indonesia, well, also now I have two kids. So it's not all about me. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I'll figure it out. Now I'm worried about my kids. I want to make sure that they're okay in their new school, that they're transitioning. So I was completely focused on my kids at this point. But like I said, it was a little bit easier because we were moving right into a French community. So the kids were okay. So once it, once we got past the kids, well, I had to get used to a different culture, a little bit, a different language. But once you make a couple of friends, it's not so bad. So you've, you've done all the hard things. I think it does get a little bit easier each time. So you know what you have to do. You have to get out there. You have to join things. You have to meet new people. You really have to put yourself out there, even if it's not something you're comfortable in doing. If you want to meet people, that's, you just have to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I think you, you learn over the, over the moves. Yeah. T- speaking of that, you know, you've been very you you explained very nicely how the challenge you've been through in the first month and and couple of years in France, and that now it's easier. But from all the challenges you've been through, what did you learn? F- what did it bring to you? Um, uh, sometimes you're stronger than you think you are. Yeah. You think like I remember getting to Paris and thinking, I don't know if I can do this. I might have to go back home. Like this is. This is not what I had in mind. But once you do it and once you, you kind of you get really proud of yourself and you think, okay, well, if I can do that, I can do this. Or now I think, well, if I can pack up my family and put them on a plane and move, like when I moved to Poe, I was eight months pregnant and I didn't know who my doctor was going to be and I didn't know how I was going to deliver a baby in another language. And there's so many things that you don't think you're going to be able to do. And once you can actually do them, you, you get pretty proud of yourself and you, you just think that maybe you can handle a little bit more. Yeah, and it just makes you stronger. When you go outside of your comfort zone, you get stronger every time you do it. And I think that any expat, even if they don't think they've done anything spectacular, the, the, the fact that they have moved to a different country and set up life there for themselves that in itself is a huge, a huge deal. It's a huge accomplishment, I think. <laughs> so t- tell us a bit more. You haven't said enough about your blog and your books. Um, so what can we find in your blog and in your books? Um, in my blog, you can, well, depending on how far back you search, <laughs> uh, it, it starts out with a lot of, when I first started writing, like I said, it was a lot of stories um, a lot of funny stories about what it's like to be a mom in France and what it's like to have babies in a different country. And I talk a lot about being an expat and what it's like to move and make new friends and what it's like the difference between regular friendships that you have in your life growing up. And when you meet someone on expat and you can know them for a month and it feels like you've known them for your whole life because they do things for you that, 
are just above and beyond what an acquaintance at home that you've known after a month would do. So I write about those kind of things and our family travels a lot. So it's almost a, a travel blog and parts as well, because I talk about the different vacations we take and different places we go. And now I'm starting to talk a little bit about the books that I write. Mm-hmm. So I use that as a branch because the books are also, well, the anthology that I'm writing, I've collected, I'm still collecting stories from expats all over the world who've gone through different experiences. So it might not be the story of their expat life, but it might just be one story from their expat life. And so this book is a collection of people who have been through all these crazy experiences. And it's put into one for people like us who have done this before, or even for people who've never done an expat and wonder what it would be like. It's, It's just a really great collection of stories in that way. And my kids' books also are on the same vein as my blog because they're travel-based and they're about traveling with kids. And the first book was on Paris. So it's about my two daughters. Well, it's about two little girls. I don't really lead on in the book that they're my daughters, but it's about two little girls who go on a trip with their family to Paris and they see all the sights of Paris and learn a few French words. And the next book that's coming out um, in the next couple of months is about Rome. So these same two little girls go to Rome and then each book is about a different country or city and about these girls learning about the sights of this city and the culture and the food that's eaten there. So it's, it's an educational book. It's about travel and it's also about my kids. Um, before we say goodbye, I'd love to go through the spinning round with you. <laughs> are you ready? The spinning round? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what are your plans for the coming two years? Um, our family is going to be moving again this upcoming year. We don't know where to yet, uh-huh. but <laughs> so I'm going to be settling in somewhere else and I'm going to continue working on the anthology and also my children's book series. Great. And do you have an internet resource that you find useful in your nomadic life besides Skype? Um, I Well, Skype, FaceTime, and WhatsApp are absolutely pertinent in our life for my kids to talk to their grandparents and to stay in touch with family back home but as far as expat life google translate <laughs> google translate and the xe currency converter oh yeah are probably like the top two used besides any kind of social media those are great great tips so um google translate and x what's the websites for the uh, it's xe xe and it it's a currency converter and you don't need to be online to use it because it'll just use the currency from the last time you were online. So an hour before or whatever. So whether you're in a different country or that you live in, or if you're traveling somewhere at the same time, it shows you what the price is in Canada, in American dollars, in euros, in wherever you are, you can choose as many as you want and it shows you all at the same time. Great. We talked, yeah. Um, so, Lisa, we talked about your great books, The Kids Who Travel the World, uh, your kids' series and children's book series, and also the fact that you're working on another book that's coming out soon that's called Once Upon an Expat. When is it going to okay. be out? 
It'll be out in June, hopefully. Yeah. So, Nova Nation, I invite you to check out uh, Lisa's uh, blog. That's really fun and very interesting. And check out also her books, her children's books, and her coming up book called Once Upon an Expat. Lisa, what's the best way to find you? Um, probably the easiest way to find me is on Facebook or through the blog Canadian Expat Mom. Lisa, this was really great. Thank you so much for coming on Tandem Nomads and sharing your great story. Thank you for having me. If you enjoyed this episode and find it useful to you, don't hesitate to share it, leave your comment and review. To comment, go to tandemnomads.com, go to the page of this episode and leave your comment at the end of this page. And please do not hesitate to leave a review for me. That would be very, very appreciated. You just need to go to the page of this episode. Underneath the play bar, there is a yellow button that says leave a review. Thank you.